With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, let's get right to it. Our next guests need no introduction. We can't even fit the resume on our screen, of course, Super Bowl champ. Head coach Mike Martz, he's writing for the 33rdteam.com. I think you guys are going to enjoy this site. Really cool. And Coach Martz joins us now. Hi, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. And prolific over at the 33rdteam.com. You're writing a lot. And you've got four ways Indianapolis Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson can improve. Today, he was announced the starter. Do you agree with starting a rookie and then also give us some ideas on how he can improve throughout the year? Well, the only way he's going to get better is to play. Obviously Um, you want to play him as much as you can. uh, I think in the preseason and uh, get his feet wet. You have to be careful. Normally you're not going to see all the stuff you see during the season in the preseason, which helps you. You have to kind of choreograph for the rookie, you know, who's in the offensive line at the time. All those things you have to consider. You can't just leave them in with several groups. So it's got to be choreographed and carefully planned. Um, but I do think it's really important that he plays as much as possible here in the preseason. Just get used to it. Uh, Coach, you mentioned three offensive coordinators that could have tremendous impacts on their team this year, one being Brian Schottenheimer in Dallas. Tell me why you think he could be so successful with Dak Prescott and the rest of that team and Mike, uh, excuse me, Mike McCarthy as the head coach there. I think the relationship there with the quarterback is really important. And when you're the head coach, uh, especially in Dallas, there's so much going on that you have to deal with. The intimate relationship, you know, in terms of football can sometimes be lacking, if you will. And, and I think he fills that void. Plus, I, he gives, he's a buffer between the offense and the head coach. He'll do the, the daily due diligence on, you know, getting the plays ready and, and uh, you know, putting the – game plan together and whatnot and so that McCarthy can call the plays on, you know, on the game day. So I think he's going to do so much. There's so much on, in his basket. Um, I don't know what the situation was uh, before with the coordinator, but I just think the relationship with Mike McCarthy is probably different than it was there in the past. I think this is somebody that Mike picked and is pleased with and understands what he's trying to do. So that message can be re- relayed accurately and, you know, this will be done the way he wants to get it done. 
The great coach, Mike Martz, joins us. Will Brock Purdy be enough? You know, without his helmet on, coach, he kind of looks like Mark Bolger. Uh, But here's the question. Purdy, San Francisco, will he be enough this year? Well, I think he is. I mean, just look at what he did. You you can't explain it. It's just remarkable. It's like Kurt just popping on the scene out of nowhere with no experience and having the kind of year he had. Nobody would predict that. It's just who he is. And I think there's a lot of, to that with Brock Purdy. I think he's just a special competitor. Those guys that are just so convicted about how good they are and they have talent, nothing will deter them. And it's so rare. That kind of toughness is so rare, and he has that. I, I just think that he's ready to go. Coach, you mentioned Kurt Warner there briefly for a second. You had, obviously, an amazing season. You guys had back-to-back years. You get to the Super Bowl. Tell me a little bit about what it was like being the OC on that team and then the head coach and then seeing your guys, Kurt Warner, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, the success that they've had, guys reaching the Hall of Fame also, Orlando Pace, Marshall Falk, just what it means to you on a personal level to have contributed to where they achieved, what they achieved in the NFL. I appreciate that. I think overall that's why you coach. You know, I mean, the whole reason I do it is to take a player or a team or a group of players and maybe help them achieve something they didn't know they could achieve or, or maybe they wanted to achieve, you know, be a, a facilitator. And that's a thrill in it for me. And it worked out. I think most coaches are like that. You know, that's, that's our gratification is watching improvement, watch you guys have success and, and being good teachers. And, and that's what you are as a coach. You're a teacher first and foremost. And if you do a good job with it and they're very talented, then you have that kind of success. So I was really pleased to be part of that. Obviously, they're also talented, so it's probably a lot easier than other situations, but it was a lot of fun. Patrick, four Hall of Famers, and Torrey Holt will eventually get in. I can't believe he's not in yet, but when you think about that, five guys out of 11 our starters on that team are in Canton or excuse me. No, uh, listen, it's a hundred years of the league. Amal and coach Martz and the greatest show on turf left an indelible mark on the league forever. It's I'm glad you brought it up. It's a great run. I want to go back to the Cowboys coach because we have a lot of Cowboys fans at the network and Amal asked you about coach McCarthy and Schottenheimer. Do you think it was time to move on from Kellen Moore? Because it did seem like that was a pretty prolific and proficient offense with Moore running the offense. Yeah, I think it was time to move on. Kellen needed to move on. Um, just watching them, I can see the frustration between the two of them. I, you know, Kellen wasn't doing what he wanted to do. He, he was kind of had a, a governor on him a little bit. And, of course, Mike is more conservative. and He wants more of a conservative approach where – you rely a little bit more on the running game. Um, Kellen was perfectly happy to wing it uh, just about every down, and I, I get all that. But he's a very bright guy. But I think where where the head coach is, it's really important that you have somebody that, that has a terrific buy into what you want and can relay that to the rest of the players so that everybody's on the same page. And I'm not so sure, you know, that was the case. That doesn't mean that Kellen's not a good coach or isn't going to do a great job in San Diego. It's a contrast of philosophies, and that's why it was so important to get Brian there. Uh, Coach, I know you're going to be very humble on this statement, but I want to read you a quote that Mark Bulger had about you. He said he was by far the smartest football mind I've ever been around. The things he was teaching was so far ahead of what others were teaching. 
I know you're going to be humble on this response, but just tell me a little bit about what your approach was with your players in terms of because you were throwing the ball at such a prolific rate and success when others weren't doing it. Was there ever a concern in the back of your mind that, hey, the NFL at that time was probably a run first league, but we're stepping outside the box here? Yeah, I mean, I was aware of all that. And it was, uh, you have to prepare yourself for the criticism. I mean, we come off the field and we'd win a game. 35 to seven and they'd be yelling at me to run the ball, run the ball, you know, that kind of thing at home. So, you know, I get all that. Uh, here's, I knew what we had and Ozakim was kind of an unknown. Tori was a rookie. Uh, we were going to rebuild or restart Isaac, you know, Ricky pro. So going into it, nobody really kind of knew what that group was. I think we did watching practice. So, and with Kurt, we didn't know what we had. Obviously, Trent Green was a quarterback going in. But we had practiced at such a high level every single day. It was scary. And we were really good on defense. The year before I got there, they last in the league on offense. But they were like fifth or sixth or whatever it was on defense. So they were good defense. And when we started going in the springtime, this is before we even got into camp, we started just to address the defense. I thought, holy cats here, you know. So what do you do with that? Do you, do you put a governor on it? Or do you just keep, keep feeding them, right? So we start experimenting with things and, and giving some guys some new challenges. Hey, how about this? Start experimenting, putting guys in awkward positions that they hadn't played before, defense hadn't seen before, running routes that nobody else has run, these high-angle corners from the inside with Torrey. And some of these, throws, some of these plays, we, we hit them in practice by accident, ran the wrong route, but it, it was good. You know, stuff like that. So – you know, why would you stop doing it? You know, it just was so invigorating for these players. Each week that we came up with some different things for them, they just got they just got hungry. You know, and they just there was so much fun and enthusiasm. I can remember one week. Um, I think it was in '01 when our quarterback coach John Ramsdale came up to me and he said, "You know, Coach, uh, we've been charting every throw in practice." Once, once we get out of stretching, every pass is thrown by every quarterback. And the ball has not touched the ground in five weeks. Now think about that, two-hour practice. Wow. No ball was incomplete for five weeks. Think about that. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know, so I didn't think, but they had gotten into such a routine, and we talked about just pursuing excellence every day, you know, just all the little tiny details. Do just be perfect. You can be perfect. That's about you can't be perfect is wrong. You can be perfect. And it just, the buy in there was terrific. And then when that happens and they're playing at such a level, you just try to get in the ball any way you can. And, and then it's, that part's easy, you know. And then you just don't worry about the criticism because if it goes bad, it goes bad. You just got to make sure you can draw it back. And when things get really tough, you know that you're going to turn and hand that ball to number 28. Great memories. Coach Mike Martz, just have two minutes. Let me ask you, put yourself in Ron Rivera's shoes. You've got a one-year audition for a new ownership group. Does Sam Howell start the whole entire regular season, or do you think he goes to Brissette? You know, it's hard because I I haven't seen enough of Sam Howell to know. I think Jacoby's a pretty good player, but I think they have to make that decision uh, and be firm with it. You, You can't make the decision and say, well, if he doesn't do well, well, you can't do that. you lose a football team doing that. I think Sam Howell from talking to those coaches out there has a terrific upside to him. I think they're very excited about him. 
uh, I think you just need to build them up and get the, the players confident in them. And you know, the, way, the way guys get injured anymore, I mean, there's a chance that Jacoby's going to come back in anyway. I hate to say that, but, you know, these guys get injured so much that who knows what's going to happen. I just think you go with Sam Howell and, and let it roll and, and get everybody to get on the same page there and, and support them the best you can. You can't be kind of in and kind of out on a deal like that. you got to be all in. There you go. Coach Mike Martz, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for the time. The 33rdteam.com. A lot of great stuff up there if you like the NFL. Appreciate you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Coach Mike Martz, some good memories, too, from his days, the greatest show on turf. <laughs> Five weeks, the ball didn't hit the ground. Well, you know, when you think about it, wish I had that information as a better. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. I mean, who would have thought the Rams? I still I still remember the quote vividly, guys. Remember when uh, Rodney Harrison hit Trent Green and then Dick Vermeil goes, we'll circle around Kurt Warner and we'll play great football. I think Dick Vermeil was the only person, including Kurt Warner, that believed in Kurt Warner. Your boy was probably crying too, because hey, Vermeil my guy. could cry at the drop of a Dude, hat. I that, mean, that's my, my all-time constant. favorite guy in sports. I want to watch the Notebook with Dick Vermeil and just <laughs> stare at him. <laughs> Rom-com time with Vermeil. We're back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. If you want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes. So you can see the changes in all the action. It's important. This is important. This is must have for your arsenal when it comes to sports betting. Betting splits are another way vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. So we had Mike Martz on, so we were 
During the break, going down memory lane, I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher, as we welcome you back here on Sharp Money. It's B-SIN, the sports betting network, and the big guy, as we were talking, said that he recently watched the Kurt Warner movie. And he said, pretty good. He liked it. He enjoyed it. And then somehow we got off on a tangent. I thought the Kurt Warner movie was the Sean Payton movie. And the Sean Payton movie is with the dude from Kings of Queens. You, you thought Kevin James was playing Kurt Warner, an NFL quarterback. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, Kurt Warner playing Sean Payton is just as hilarious. Right? <laughs> the idea that a movie was made about Sean Payton is hilarious. Sean, and the fact that Kevin James's agent came to him and he said, yeah, I'm in is hilarious as well. Not as funny as my aunt Julie. What? Yeah. So my aunt Julie, you have to understand she loves Jesus. Like when I say loves Jesus, like, and I, I have nothing against Jesus. He seems like a good dude. I'm open-minded. I'll, I'm cool. But aunt Julie said that I needed to be saved. And there was a good portion of my life where she and Julie was probably spot on. Things weren't going well. My dad had picked me up from jail. Aunt Julie said, you got to come with me to church. And I said, you know what? I'll make the family happy. This will give me a couple of months of an easy runway into more trouble. I'll go to church with Aunt Julie. I said, what do I wear? Aunt Julie said, you wear whatever you want. It's non-denominational. If you haven't been to a non-denominational church, it's essentially a jam band. I mean, it's basically you roll up. It's a fish concert about Jesus. People are high fiving. You've got snacks. You know, it's awesome. I never had so much fun. So I'm hanging out. I'm, I'm over here dapping up Aunt Julie. She's got the biggest smile, just cheesing, loves the fact that I'm being saved by the Lord. And all of a sudden I look up, look up. And I said, is that Kurt Warner? Aunt Julie surprised me. It just so happened. I go to the non-denom and all of a sudden Kurt Warner comes out with his wife, spike haircut and all, and starts absolutely just providing a an electrifying dissertation on Jesus Christ. So I'm standing there. Aunt Julie, just she's got tears in her eyes now because she knows that I'm a sports guy. And I'm like, look at this. This is a Super Bowl winning quarterback out here just talking about the big guy upstairs. Um, now, to be fair, Kurt Warner went to say something. His wife, Amal Shaw style, said, I'll take it from here. And she she proceeded to proselytize the whole entire service with Kurt Warner looking like a bobblehead in the corner. It's pretty good. Like never he all he said was, What's cracking? And she was like, Anyway, Jesus was money. Okay, so I I the moral of the story is if you have a chance to go to a non-denominational service, you should go and you should definitely go if Kurt and Shorty are going to show up because I enjoyed the hell out of it. Ooh, I shouldn't say that. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Where, where were you? Uh, Michigan. It, wow. And, but this had to be like at his peak. That's a wild question. Where was I? My man was going to non-denominationals and every he was just traveling the country speaking the Lord's wisdom. But the, based on your age, this is like Kurt Warner Warner at his absolute like yeah. still in the NFL like peak, right? Uh yeah. He was smack dab in the middle of his career, just out here spreading the message. You guys missed the best part of it. So we head out, 
after we, you know, we had some, you know, whatever they serve you at the non-denom. And I roll out to the car. Aunt Julie says, you think the day's done? I got one more surprise. Oh, no. Goes, pops the trunk of her station wagon and hands me a brand new Kurt Warner jersey, which I quickly turned around and sold to Matt Bloomingdale for $25. (laughs) (laughs) Profit. Hey, hey, they hit me for 10 bucks with that tray they passed around. So I made 15 off the experience. Funny story. Someone gave Patrick a Matthew Stafford Rams jersey. He gave it to me. I sold it on eBay for $25. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good move. Somebody, somebody also gave me like a $3,000 from our old show, gave me like anonymously a $3,000 bike. Wow. And when I moved from Vegas to California, the person that helped me load the truck we couldn't fit the bike in the truck, and I just said, "Here you go." And he rode away. He rode away from Task Rabbit with a brand new three thousand dollar bike. I didn't buy it. You know what it's called? Paying it forward, big guy. Paying it forward. Or it's called I don't want to move more stuff. Or it's yeah, called not knowing the like value stuff. of the bike. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably should have. I probably should have went and sold it. But bottom bottom line is Aunt Julie. Shout to Aunt Julie. The crazy part about it is my cousin, David, was a Christian rapper, and he skipped church that day. So she hoodwinked me into going, and um, my man was spitting Christian bars. Uh, just real quick to tie a bow on this. Uh, you were picked up from jail for, for what exactly? At, at well, it's a, it was a bum rap. It was trumped no. up charges. Like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. False imprisonment. No, I, mean, I might have like- been with some. I might have been with some unsavory people, but I got mixed up in it. Trumped up charges. My dad was bitter. It was probably like Shawshank State Prison. Lawyer screwed him. It, it just something did, something didn't feel right about it. But anyway, they threw the book at me, and Aunt Julie was bitter. So anyway, there's my story. Good story. Yes, she did call the next week and say, "You coming?" And I was like, "I'm out, Julie. I'm out." <laughs> All right, one's enough. Um, next, let's go. Who did I say we were going to talk about here? Duke. Duke. Yep. I think Duke's going to be good. Duke won nine games last year. Dave Elko, which is interesting because Cutcliffe was Mike. an offensive guy. Mike, Mike Elko. Elko. They bring Elko, yeah. in they br- they bring in Elko, who is he was known as a really good defensive coordinator at different um, stops along the way, and he comes in and the offense doesn't really miss a beat. The defense takes a step forward with Elko and a tremendous turnaround. That's the third nine win season for Duke. Pay attention, big guy, since 1941. <laughs> All right. So that's a pretty good year for Elko. Riley Leonard uh, is back. You know, it's interesting, too, because they have a loaded backfield, an offensive line that led the ACC in sacks allowed. The defense was awful as Cutcliffe was leaving. It was good last year, not great under Elko. This is a team loaded with vets, a ton of upside, and the win total set at six and a half of them all. Yeah, a few things here. You mentioned Mike Elko. I thought when Elko got hired away by uh, A&M to go to leave Notre Dame, I thought it was a great move by Jimbo Fisher, and you saw it in the defense twice. He had a number two run defense in the nation, not just in the SEC. Uh, in, 19, in Excuse me, in 2020, he had the ninth overall defense. Last year, they were fifth in the ACC in defense, fifth on offense. So this is a pretty good team, pretty well balanced, nine and four, as you alluded to last year. If you haven't seen Riley Leonard play, this guy was very good as a quarterback in terms of what he was able to do. 
Nine starters back on the offensive side of the ball. Eight on the defensive side of the ball, guys. I know we talk about Clemson and Florida State in the ACC, but I'll tell you what, Duke's got a chance to have a spectacular season. And when you look at the quarterback situation, for me, outside of Jordan, uh, Jordan Travis at uh, Florida State, I can make the argument that Riley Leonard is the second-best quarterback in the ACC. Elko's always going to be a great defensive mind, has been throughout his career, and continues to rise that uh, Duke defense up. If they can play at the level they did last year, I think the offense is only going to get better, guys. I think they'll be a top-three scoring offense in the ACC this year. I think they've got an opportunity to have a spectacular season and win potentially uh, 10 games. Now, I know things have to break right, and that includes the bowl game. That includes them going potentially 10-3. and three. But overall, I mean, they've got an opener against Clemson. They do play Notre Dame, but they uh, have, have the road game at Florida State. I think every other game on the schedule is very winnable. Are you talking potentially conference good? Like this if is Jordan 40 to Tra- one in conference. If Jordan Travis gets hurt, I think they've got an outside shot. Or, or Interesting. if Klubnik gets hurt, because I think there's some ineptitude with the Clemson offense. Defensively, Clemson's elite. One of the best defenses in college football. Florida State is balanced. The run defense has to be better. But if those, if, if you have some injuries with both of those teams, I think the experience and the ability of Riley Leonard, and I can make the argument right now, Mike Elko is the best defensive coach now that Venables is no longer at Clemson. He Elko is the best defensive coach in the ACC. Big guy, the minute to close out the segment is yours. Duke, six and a half. I think you got to change the way you think about Duke now. I think Mike Elko has done that immediately. I saw them when they were in the ACC title game when they played Clemson one year. And I swear to you, we were watching kids warm up that were like five foot five. I'm not even like, they looked like high school kids. (laughs) They looked like middle schoolers, JV squad. Like, this is a different brand. They have weapons. They have a legit quarterback who can do everything. And then they have a great defense. That combination, they're going to mess up someone's season. Someone good on their schedule, they will mess up their season this year. Well done, boys. Sorry. Sorry. A little too much church talk, but we got Duke in. We all, the three of us, like over six and a half. The the schedule does get tougher this this year for them. But over six and a half, I'm all yes. Easily. Easily. Big guy, seven wins or more for Duke. I'm into it. Yeah, me too. Anthony Heron, Big Ten Network, next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. One of the gentlemen in our industry, Anthony Heron, is going to join us. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money. It's VSIN. The Sports Betting Network, Big Ten Network Analyst, Fox 32, Chicago Bears Analyst. You can find Anthony Heron at Big Ant Heron on Twitter. Also listen to him, Big Ten Radio there on Sirius XM. He's one of the best dudes around. It's great to see you again, Anthony. How are you? I'm fantastic, Patrick, man. It's always good to chop it up with you, especially with the football season approaching. Big Ten country is uh, is ever expanding, as you might have noticed. So there's all kinds of stuff to chat about. Yes, and of course, with Chicago, and of course, Anthony went to Iowa, played in the NFL, but he lives there in downtown Chicago. And we were talking about a school that's adjacent to downtown Chicago and Northwestern. Now, off the field, crazy drama, Anthony. We won't get into that. With that, a transition from Fitzgerald, let's talk about Northwestern, and we'll just start with the idea that David Braun, he was brought in to fix a defense. Next thing you know, he turns around, he's the head coach. This is going to be a long year for a team that won one game last year. It seems that way, and you know, when, when you add in the fact that the 
the roster was was pretty depleted of talent anyway. Even with some of the talent that returned from last year, it, it didn't perform at a high level the previous season. So you'll have a new mind in there just schematically on defense, running things. But then you you add in all the turmoil off the field and the controversy that just envelops the athletic department. You see some efforts being made there to try and circle the wagons for those who remain and, you know, probably ill-advised messaging, I think would be the most polite way to put some of that. But as much as they will attempt to do to try to salvage things, I think uh, in Evanston, it seems like it's shaping up to be a really difficult season. I would imagine a lot of folks would be surprised if Northwestern doesn't find themselves in a position on the field, you know, even regardless of everything that's going wrong off the field, but even just on the field for Northwestern football, it would have been a surprise to see them have a big, you know, sort of catapulting back into the the division title sort of picture that we've seen them in, in the not too distant past, but you add everything else up off there. And David Braun, first time in the power five, first time as a head coach and, you know, bringing in the administration side to bring in Skip Holtz, just to see if they could help bolster some of the additional support around David Braun with the program. But it, it would be asking a lot to, to think that Northwestern may have a, a lot of success on the field this year. Anthony, building a little bit off of Patrick's question, you played at Iowa. You went there. You had committed and played initially under Hayden Fry, who I think is one of the greatest Big Ten coaches of all time. And then you went to my least favorite coach of all time in the Big Ten, Kirk Ferentz. Tell me a little bit about what a transition is like as a player when you commit to a program. And let's be real here. Hayden Fry's personality and those things kind of got you to Iowa along the way, a variety of other reasons. But what is it like as a player to go from one head coach to a different one? And we see that right now at Northwestern and, of course, other programs throughout the country also. It's difficult. I mean, even, you know, 20 plus years ago when I went through it, there was no transfer portal, but we had a bunch of teammates transfer out because when you sign up for a program, you you are you you're going there because you love the campus and because you love the opportunity that's going to be there, but you do develop relationships. You develop bonds with the coaches who are there that recruit you. Brett Bielema was the main recruiter for me. I was actually part of his first staff or his first class that he brought in when he became a full-time coach on staff with Hayden Fry at Iowa. So, you know, he and I still have a close, a close bond to this day and Hayden Fry at that time, you know, he was, you know, sort of towards the end of his time. And that was part of the negative recruiting that took place when other schools were trying to tell me, don't go to Iowa, you should come here instead. Mm -hmm. For me, it came down to Iowa and Michigan State were basically my final two. Nick Saban was at Michigan State at the time. Hayden Fry was at Iowa. Everyone told me, well, don't go to Iowa because Hayden Fry is getting old. He's not going to be there your whole career. And then the negative recruiting against Michigan State was, well, Nick Saban's going back to the NFL. That guy's not interested in being a college coach anymore. Neither guy ended up being there my entire time. The four years I played college football, Hayden Fry did end up retiring after two seasons. Nick Saban didn't immediately go to the NFL. He went to LSU and then made his way to the National Football League. So I guess to some extent, both things ended up being true. But you know, having Hayden Fry for my first two years, or Kirk Ferentz for my last two years, two in some ways diametrically opposed personalities, but just you know, great men, awesome individuals, and while the program transitioned in personality of leadership under Kirk Ferentz. I mean, you know, we're, we're a quarter century later at this point. You kind of see why, why he's had so much success at Iowa. Big Ant, Anthony Heron, Big Ten Network, of course, Fox 32 with the Chicago Bears, Sirius XM joins us here on VSIN. So it looks like Harbaugh with the infractions is going to coach the full 2023 season. I was just home, Ant, in Michigan, and the expectations. I haven't seen it like this in a long time. 
for Michigan. Like if they don't win a championship, it's going to be a letdown this year. Are they that talented? Do you view this Michigan team as a championship team? I believe they are. Uh, when you look at what returns for Michigan, the product production that returns on each side of the ball, especially on offense, it'll sort of flip things on, on their head in the perception of Michigan this year because we've come accustomed to, as Jim Harbaugh was winning, you know, double-digit games in a lot of seasons where a lot of it was led by a domineering defense, and they're still expected to have that. But having a returning starter at quarterback on offense and J.J. McCarthy, who they didn't ask a lot of him for the bulk of last season and the opportunities that were there. Frankly, I talked about it a lot on the Big Ten Network where there were some deep ball plays that, that he missed that he didn't take advantage of when a receiver would break free based off some play action with that great run game they had. Then late in the year, think back to that Ohio State game. Think back to the Big Ten title game. Even the TCU game with a couple of pick sixes, he threw the ball at a high level. That, to me, shows that the growth of a young quarterback. Jim Harbaugh told me in Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago, Big Ten Media Days, he sees him as a generational talent. That's a big statement when you think about the quarterbacks that Jim Harbaugh's worked with, and he doesn't use terms like that lightly but he is an extremely talented individual. And I do believe, you know, we haven't seen it a lot of recent vintage, but there's every reason for Michigan to be the favorite in the Big Ten East and in the Big Ten Conference this season. Obviously, Anthony, Ohio State's going to be a competitor with them, but what does Penn State need to do to potentially overcome both those schools in front of them? It's going to be a tough ask, but this is a team as equipped as any that James Franklin has had to take that challenge on. You know, Penn State has always played Ohio State really well because I think, you know, in, in personnel, they're similar to some extent. And, you know, the quarterback position is in some ways what has separated some of the good, maybe not quite great Penn State teams from being able to get over the hump. Do you have a quarterback you can count on to make that key play at that key moment? The great thing they have as talented as the anticipated starter Drew Aller is as a guy who is a borderline four or five-star level recruit. He got some time last season behind the, the very experienced Sean Clifford, and he performed well, better than I thought he would. I, I call the All-American Bowl every year for NBC. I saw him as a high school recruit on his way to Penn State. He still struck me as being really green at that point in his development. So I thought if he had to play at all as a true freshman, he may struggle just from being overwhelmed. He never really looked overwhelmed on the field. So I was impressed by that. But what, may, what will likely make this team different than most we've seen with James Franklin is that Penn State's good on the line of scrimmage, not just their pass rush, but their offensive line. Think back to last season on the road at Auburn, the way they were able to push around a good defensive front from the Auburn Tigers. You do that on the road in SEC country, a couple of really talented freshmen and then now sophomore running backs and Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. A lot of the offense shouldn't be on the shoulders of Drew Aller this season. It's going to make a big difference, just like I talked about J.J. McCarthy last year where he peaked late in the season. Drew Aller should be in a position to do that this year. If he's just good, Penn State will be in a great, you know, great spot to win the majority of their games. And then maybe by November, if a young first-time starter is peaking late in the season, that could really pay dividends for the Nittany Lions. Anthony, do you like the fit of Luke Fickle and Madison there at Wisconsin? I like it long-term. I have my reservations about this first season because I'm about tangible evidence. You know how, how I am about these things over the years, Patrick. I want to see it 
So I, I can anticipate success in the not too distant future for the Badgers because of what an excellent coach Luke Fickle is. And one of the questions I'd had about Wisconsin in recent years was whether or not there was another level to Badgers football. You know, could Wisconsin become a program that doesn't just compete for a Big Ten West Division title or make a Big Ten championship game and then, you know, sort of get outmanned or, you know, outscored by some other opponent? Can they get themselves in the, into the national championship conversation? And I believe the plan that we're seeing here early in place from Luke Fickle to keep a level of physicality, to keep a focus on defense, but to have an offense that will be able to open the game up a lot more than we've ever seen for Wisconsin in years past. And Phil Longo comes in with him to try and get that done. So there's a lot to be excited about. But I, I was my pick to click. And I, I don't go out of my way to pick the Hawkeyes, even though they're my alma mater and everything. Mm -hmm. But there's more proven commodities in Iowa City and we sort of know what to expect, a championship pedigree quarterback, an offensive line that returns a lot of talent and transfers more in that's building off of last season. So I think Wisconsin, I certainly wouldn't be shocked for them to win the division, but I don't think they're the pick to click. I think it's the Hawkeyes. Ooh, like it. Like it. 12 to 1 there in the Big Ten for Iowa. You hear that? That is the sound of Anthony's son watching Paw Patrol. <laughs> That means we get another segment with Anthony Heron, Big Ten Network, of course, Fox 32 with Chicago and the Bears next. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, you get the power ratings, the picks, the previews, the predictions, and become a VSIN Pro subscriber. Get all access to our betting tools, our betting splits, and the 2023 college football and NFL betting guides. Both the college football betting guide and the NFL betting guide will have you ready to turn a profit on the gridiron this year. The only way to get the guides and everything we have to offer is become a VSIN Pro subscriber, and you can do that exactly at vcin.com slash subscribe. It's vcin.com slash subscribe. The GOAT, Anthony Heron, joins us here 
on VSIN. This is Sharp Money. I'm Al Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher, Big Ten Network Analyst, of course, Fox 32 there in Chicago, at Big Ant Heron on Twitter. Amal, did you want to follow up before we get to the Bears? Did you have a final question for Anthony about the Big Ten there? Just real quick, on your former school, the Hawkeyes, they were elite last year defensively, gave up less than four yards per play. Just explain to me how, and the general public, at the collegiate level today, you can perform that way because, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, you throw a quick uh, flanker screen and it goes for 70. I mean, you know, you just need a playmaker on the perimeter. Yeah, their their defensive coordinator, Phil Parker. So he was the, the DB coach that came in with Kirk Ferentz a quarter century ago uh, going into my junior year in 99. And then uh, when the great Norm Parker ended up passing away and really Norm's health began to fail and uh, Phil took over as defensive coordinator and he kept a lot of Norm's same philosophies where he wants eyes in the backfield, zone eyes, as we talk about on defense, and guys who would be in the right position, hit the right landmarks, communicate at a high level, and swarm to the football. Just Iowa's defense tackles at a really high level. That's why you, know, you get to the point where not only does Kelvin Bell, their defensive line coach, coach the position at an extremely high level, so you see talent just churning out towards the National Football League, but in the secondary as well. They got DBs who make plays on the ball. I'm telling you, man, there's a guy this season I don't know what the odds are on Heisman contention for Cooper DeGene, this defensive back from a, just a, a tiny town in nowhere, Iowa. He played like eight-man football. He was Gulliver. All the Lilliputians out there had no idea what to do with him, played every position on the field. So he just came off his true sophomore season, pick sixes, tackle, safety, corner, nickel, return specialist. I hope Iowa uses him on offense this year because they've got only a few athletes that can really do what Cooper DeGene can do with the football in their hands. And he's a guy that to me could be like a long shot, a, a long odd sort of Heisman contender that I think could be a really interesting bet for some folks. Love it. And Anthony's no bias. He's high on Iowa this year. Just, just to note for the betters, <laughs> as you take a look at the regular season win total, I, I mean this and Amal's been high on Justin Fields. Of course, he's an Ohio State alum. I fell in love with the kid. I think it was week 17 in Detroit. There was no reason for Fields to be playing in that game last year. The season was done. I don't think he really passed for anything in the game, but he ran a ton against a Detroit team that was playing very well, Anthony. And it's just like, I don't know how you measure it. He just freaking cared. And it just, it, I, there was something about fields in that game that was so random and innocuous for the bears that stood out to me. I freaking love this kid. Can we start with the quarterback of the bears? You know how much that matters, Patrick. And you know, I'm all got to see him all throughout college, but there's, there's a competitive DNA to Justin Fields that shines through now, you know, to, to be just completely frank about the evaluation. And I felt this way about him at Ohio state. He's not a guy that throws with elite level anticipation but he is one of these guys who does process information at a high level. It's just about getting sort of beyond the methodical phase of that. And part of that comes with trust. You know, the, his second season as a starter in Columbus was better than his first as he continually developed some of that additional trust with the playmakers that were around him. Of course, you got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba ended up coming along as well later on. I think, you know, JSN was a, a freshman on that initial crew. But, you know, when you got playmakers like that, then you can continue to throw with more trust and anticipation, especially knowing Ryan Day's system better in his second year in Columbus. I believe we're going to see a lot of that in Chicago this season as well. He's going to be surrounded by more playmakers on a full-time basis. First snap of the game, I'm down on the sidelines at Soldier Field. I just finished doing Bears pregame for Fox 32. 
first offensive series of the game. The first pass he throws to DJ Moore, who they traded for from the Carolina Panthers, throws kind of a mediocre bubble screen out to the side. And just like Amal was talking about, DJ Moore plucks the football away and just goes streaking up the sideline. The Bears were last in the National Football League last year in yards after catch. There will be run after catch available to Justin Fields this season. That will be like nothing he's experienced since he was in college with Chase Claypool potentially being healthy. With Khalil Herbert being an improved pass receiver out of the backfield, as we saw in the other touchdown pass that was on a screen. And of course, DJ Moore gives him a true number one receiver. I think the sky's the limit for Justin Fields. First of all, Anthony, love the breakdown and I love the fact that you've got a future in politics saying that wasn't a bad throw. That was a terrible throw. I'll tell you right now, <laughs> DJ Moore made a heck of a play on the ball. But to, in terms of receivers, I give Patrick a ton of credit. When the trade was made, he said Moore is a difference maker. I wasn't as high on Moore as maybe some other people were and may have missed the boat on that one. Talk to me a little bit about Mooney and Claypool along with Cole Komet and what this receiving core could be with protection and then Fields' ability to threaten the defense with his legs. I, I think there's going to be some great passing opportunities this year that big picture that you paint ends up making a huge difference because the Bears offense through the first really two years you know Matt Nagy's last season was Justin Fields's rookie year where he's just trying to get things figured out and then last season in his first year working with Matt Eberflus as the head coach Luke Getze as his offensive coordinator and play caller Justin Fields had to be perfect and he had to so frequently go beyond the X's and O's to make the offense do anything because the only true playmaker that threatened the defense, the only guy on the Bears offense who struck fear in the heart of opposing defensive coordinators when the football was in their hands was the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields. Now, with a continually developing Cole Komet as a tight end who just got his new money, Robert Tunyon comes in from Green Bay, a good pass receiving tight end as well. Then they also signed Mercedes Lewis. So you got another blocker there. The Bears will still lead with the ground attack. I think it'll be you know, a, a poor man's version of what we saw from the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm I'm not one of these guys predicting MVP chatter for Justin Fields, but we will definitively see a leap this season because his imperfections won't just halt the entire offense. If he throws a bad ball, he's got playmakers he can access now who can still pluck the ball away and go make a play. But then when Fields is elite, then the offense itself can be elite around him as well. And the other receivers you mentioned, Claypool, Mooney, Guys are going to be more in their natural sort of, you know, pecking order at this point. If you have Chase Claypool as a surefire number two, that's a good spot to have a big, talented guy like Chase Claypool. If Darnell Mooney is your number three and being featured in the slot, he can do that at a really high level. Going into last season, the Bears were trying to figure out if Darnell Mooney could be their number one, you know, with right. no Claypool and no more. So now everyone is just in a more comfortable position, including the quarterback who can now show more field generalship in year two in that offense, but it doesn't require him to be a volume passer. Justin Fields doesn't need to, you know, attempt 45, 50 passes a game, but you can still get to a point where the total yards, you know, the total offense from the quarterback and the combination of passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns can put this Bears offense in a far better standing than we saw from them last season. I'm excited about this team. The linebackers as well. Anthony Heron, Fox 32 with the Bears. Let me ask you our last question. The NFC North. The Lions are your favorite. The Vikings are your second betting favorite. And then tied for your third betting favorite are the Packers and the Bears. Who do you like in the North? Obviously, everybody's jumping on the Lions bandwagon. And it's difficult. And I, I spent a couple of years of my NFL career in Detroit with the Lions. I know the passion 
of that fan base and how excited they are. I got to admit, it's really cool to see the National Football League be excited about the Detroit Lions as well. When you look at the way that they've gotten so many primetime games from the league, because people do anticipate big things from Detroit. And I called Jared Goff's games even back when he was in college at Cal. I've always been kind of a Jared Goff guy, recognizing there is a ceiling to his productivity, but also have always believed that he can play, you know, Kirk Cousins level, just consistent above average quarterback play with good infrastructure around him. You can win a lot of games with a guy like that, with a Jared Goff at QB. He's been to a Super Bowl before for a reason. And the talent that's there in Detroit, they already had one of the most talented backfields in the NFC last year. They just churned that over, got younger and less expensive, and they're going to do big things there. The defense should be improved. It can't get much worse than it was. It stretches last year, but it should be with Aaron Glenn's leadership an improved defense this year. And as long as you're saying that Jared Goff will have a run game, a run first approach, and a team and offense has got talent at receiver and tight end and the best offensive line in that division. Then yes, I do. I think it's fair to anticipate Detroit will be not only the, the divisional favorite, but a team that you can think, you know, at least has the potential, has the personnel and the approach that can advance in the postseason. I will say this, and it's not just the opening press conference from Dan Campbell. There have been in-game decisions from himself, yeah, he's from his coordinators. <laughs> They're worthy of questions. So is he developing? Just like we talk about a young roster of players developing. Is the head coach, Dan Campbell, developing with his in-game management? Because that can't be discounted. Everyone can get better on the job. Dan Campbell has to be better than he's been in the past. Hey, don't forget the Pac-12 Network. You were the GOAT. Big Ant Eats on the West Coast. Remember that? <laughs> you can check them now. Big Ten times. Network, Fox 32, Chicago Bears analyst, Anthony Heron at Big Ant Heron. Anthony, you're the best. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.